0: It's tip-off time. The live the game! Welcome to ESPN Chicago's Fast Break with Jay Hood and Chris Black. Throws it to
1: win it! Goal!
0: Listen on your phone through the ESPN Chicago app, on FM at 100.3 HD2, and on AM at ESPN 1000. Watch the show on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Now here your hosts Jay Hood and Chris Black.
1: It's Fast Break. I'm Chris Black, along with Jonathan Hood in podcast form. There'll be no show this Saturday because of White Sox baseball and ESPN 1000. But we are here on a Thursday, Jonathan, heading to game three of the first round between the Bulls and the Bucks, And I did not expect to be having a conversation about a series tied one game apiece. How about the Bulls last night? 114 to 110. Uh, meeting our expectations and surprising us, stealing a victory in Milwaukee
0: last night. What a game. Ah, uh, We're in the afterglow of now a 1-1 series. I expected a, a gentleman's sweep, and that's still in play for Milwaukee. But the thing that I, you and I have talked about a lot already this season, Chris, is that no matter what offense is coming, DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine, wherever it's coming from, if you do not make stops, you do not win. And I think that that's the whole thing with the Bulls. There's a slide that we documented at the end of the regular season the way this team has had a hard time beating the top three teams in the East and West, it all comes from you're not making stops. And I thought, especially in the first half, man, what an effort defensively for the Bulls. I mean, that to me, more so than what the Bulls scored, 114 points against the Bucks. I just thought the defensive effort, um, the ability to have seven steals in the contest, they had 10 in game one, turning the Bucks over, going back in transition and scoring, uh, the defense creating offense, That was key for the Bulls, I thought, on Game 2. You know, before we really dive deep
1: into specifics on Game 2, I want to have uh, just one thought off of what you said, thinking it would be a gentleman's sweep. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It could still happen, right? Uh, Last night's game could wake up the Bucks. They could show up on Friday night in Chicago, blow the Bulls out, take care of business, get it back to Milwaukee, and end of story, right, next Wednesday. That, That could certainly be in place still. I feel as if, though, the way this would play out has a different vibe because of last night. Like, I assumed the gentleman's sweep before we got into the series would have been, hey, the Bulls get back to Chicago, the fans are there, they get one at home, and then that's, that's all they can kind of muster, right? Mm-hmm. But, but I feel like going on the road and seeing DeMar DeRozan playing like he played all season long as an MVP, getting 41 points, going head-to-head with Giannis, guarding him for most of the fourth quarter, uh, making tough shots, but also having like a measured approach. It wasn't just him firing away shots every possession. He was looking for his teammates. The key, the teammates were hitting shots. And and that, I think, changes the way I view something that could still happen, a gentleman's sweep. It's like the Bulls did show some backbone. And that's something we've been asking from them throughout the entire season. Show a little fight. Show something. And I, I feel like we finally got that. And even if you're right and we still get that gentleman sweep, I, I feel like I have a different impression of what this team could possibly do someday in the future.
0: You know what I liked about Billy Donovan last night is that his press conference yesterday looked like either a Bulls win or a Bulls loss. Yeah. I'm with you. How is it that you had to say press conference? But, (laughs) I mean, there's no smile. There's no raising of the eyebrow. He's just straight ahead just answering the question. Just matter of fact, right? Yeah. I mean, just because... Chris, he knows like we know, right? He, he understands what this is. He understands that there's a process with this basketball team. And this is not about Lonzo Ball being available or not. That's not what it's about. He's trying to do what he can with this group and to find out you know, how much backbone, as you mentioned, how much moxie they have uh, against the champs. It's the ultimate in tests for any basketball team when you take on the champs. Giannis Antetokounmpo cannot be stopped. He can't be stopped. He gave you 33 points and 18 rebounds if you're the Bucks, And you and actually, I can add another person. It looks like this Bulls team can't stop Lopez either. If he's going to go inside and score as often as he does, and also being able to knock down threes like he did, three for six uh, from the three-point stripe, then he can't be stopped. But that doesn't mean that the others can't be slowed down. Uh, as I mentioned, this team with DeRozan was fantastic. I loved what I saw from Levine. I liked what I saw from Busevic as well. But it's more than just those guys scoring, though. They, if you're not tied together for this Bulls team, then you will lose like you normally lose against the upper echelon in the NBA. Something that I saw from last night's game, uh, mm-hmm. if you look over the box
1: score, you know sometimes the box score doesn't tell you the story because almost in every category that matters... The Bucks won last night. They made more three-point shots. They double up the Bulls on free-throw attempts. They shot 31 attempts to 15. Uh, they out-rebounded the Bulls. They had more points in the paint. They had more second-chance points. They had more fast-break points. Uh, they also only had three more turnovers. The Bulls had more fouls called on them throughout the game. And somehow the Bulls controlled the game from start to finish. Right, like if you and I call a lot of college basketball games for the UIC Flames, and when we're sitting there in between each timeout, we look at the box score, and then we also can kind of use our eyes and say, yeah, what we're seeing with our eyes. Here's the stat that matches what we're what we're going to talk about here in this next offensive possession, this next defensive possession. If you look at the box box score from last night, outside of the 41 points from Demar Derozan, the box score would tell you. The Bucks played the better game, even though the Bulls controlled this thing from start to finish.
0: Yeah, if, if there's no doubt, and a lot of that's led by Giannis. Yeah, see, the the only where where the Bucks, the only is, issue I saw from the Bucks was is that they were clunky in the first half offensively. And you're right, there's all these categories the Bucks did things well, except for being able to get over. The amoeba defense of the Bulls, right? <laughs> I, mean, that's, I mean, I'm not Anytime giving it a... damn
1: city got back there to get <laughs> I mean, in front of Giannis. We're all I mean,
0: standing guard. Led by Caruso his headband. Right, I mean, yeah, right. it started with him, but that—that's what I like, and I also like Patrick Williams as well defensively. At in spots, that he looked really good as well. So it is true. All the things you mentioned are true that were in the favor of Milwaukee, and but they still struggle to be able to score the way they wanted to. They did not get easy shots, and they again they could have earned it from the foul line, doubling up the the uh, Bulls in the foul line. But I just think that. That's the reason why the Bulls, uh, that the Bucks fell short, is because of what the Bulls did defensively.
1: What if I told you this game should not have been as close as it was? 114 to 110. Under three minutes in the fourth quarter, I counted the Bulls having four open three point shots, and they went one of four in those situations. Alex Caruso was on the right side, wide open, clanked it. He was also on the left side, wide open, and I think that ball barely grazed the front of the rim, uh, which is tough to do from the side corner. Uh, Vooch had a straight-on three-point attempt, which he made, and Patrick Williams had a three-point attempt, I believe, from the right corner, which he also missed. So under three minutes, you have limited possessions in the game. DeMar's making the right play, finding guys open in the corner, the very best shot in the NBA, Mm -hmm. corner three, and you had multiple misses, you go one of four, you win the game by four points, but if you go three of four in that situation, this is a 10-point ten, ten win, right? Like like mm-hmm. the, the game actually doesn't get down to that final possession where I, I think the Bucks were down by five with like 18 seconds left. Like something like that doesn't have to happen if those shots fall. I, I thought the decision-making by DeMar DeRozan in the fourth uh, was stellar because he was being um even though the the shots were not falling, he was working with the offense and it 's something you and I have documented throughout this entire season. The reason Vooch is taking eight three point attempts in this game and ten in the first one is because the offense is getting that shot open, and it 's up to the players to perform tonight or last night vooch went four of eight mm-hmm. that 's a different outcome than going two from ten uh but I think the shots still have to happen. I don't think the answer is don't shoot that shot. You guys still shoot it. You just have to make it.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. And Milwaukee's going to give him that shot, too. They see Vucevic as a guy. If they, if he's able to do what he did and get half his three-point shots, not as a concern. It was not a concern in Game One because if you just watch the, those plays, it's not like Lopez is going to go out there and, and, and guard him. It's not like Giannis is going to go out there. On, um, I like the side-to-side movement offensively by the Bulls, moving the ball side to side on on a drive and a kick. There's Vucevic always there because the bigs for the Bucks are already in the painted area. So on a driving kick, if Vucevic is out there, it's like, all right, take that shot. Go ahead. But we just can't have DeRozan and Levine beat us, and we know that Vucevic is not going to beat us. He's going to get his share of rebounds. He'll be in the 20-10 and uh, category more than likely in a number of games in this series. But he's not going to be a guy that's going to kill us from three. But four for eight is an improvement for sure. I don't know what Budenholzer does with that, but I just know his bigs are not coming out to try to stop him. Uh, because they look at Bucevic and they say, "Okay, he can hit that, hit some shots." Four for eight, maybe they raise their eyebrow just a little bit.
1: You know, it, it's funny. A theme to this Bulls season would be, uh, especially with uh, bloggers out there, mm-hmm. the drop zone defense. Yeah, Donovan sucks. Uh, yes, Donovan sucks because of the drop zone defense. I, I don't know. I watched uh, when I rewatched the game this morning. I watched. Uh, Adam Amin and Stacey King, but last night I was watching the TNT call. So did, uh, did you catch Greg Anthony uh, calling out the Bucks for continuously playing the drop zone defense and the Bulls killing them with Vooch hitting those three point yep. shots? Yeah, and I like, watched that exclusively the TNT version. Yeah, right. Right. So it it's just funny to me that all season long, uh, people who only watch Bulls games think think Donovan sucks because <laughs> of the the drop zone defense. And like what you and I try to um, nicely suggest to others throughout, you know, those who are watching, who are listening to these shows, these podcasts throughout the years, that this is how you play defense basically in the league. Like many teams uh, are playing this drop zone defense if you have a big who you want to protect the rim. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I I just thought it was funny. And and I'm glad you watched the TNT too and heard that because I I like, I chuckled to myself. It was like, I I wonder how many Bulls fans who've been uh, calling our station heard that and go, oh, wait, other teams do that too? Oh, Oh, okay. Oh, all right. (laughs) So it's just not Donovan being a terrible head coach? Okay.
0: Hey, what's with this fancy three two point zone defense? What does that right. mean? What is what is that? Right. What is that? I don't understand. He sucks at it. He's terrible. He's terrible. You do have to recover though in those in those spots, right? Yeah, you, yeah you but do. like
1: um the the reason teams do it, right? Is because off of the pick and roll, if you drop the big, you make it more difficult for the guard to get all the way to the rim. And that's the Right. The the challenge is for the big, and there's very few in the league who can actually do both, where you can get back, cover the rim, and then also make it all the way back out to the perimeter and then cover that three-point shooter. Uh, and, and that's why being a three-point shooting big is so lethal in today's game. But And it, it also points to why Rudy Gobert is an absolute game-changer, because he can do it. You know, vooch. Yeah. Struggles at times doing it, but I think at times he's doing exactly what the defense is designed. And you saw it last night. Brooke Lopez was having the same issues Vooch has had throughout the season, getting back out there to cover Vooch. It's the exact same situation.
0: And it's just like the big doesn't want to exert that much effort. Like, go ahead. Yeah, right. there's, there's a lot of Cat that in the league, too. Right. Go ahead, man. Especially, you know, like in, in February, right? Yeah. <laughs> just go, go ahead. Like, go right on with it. It's like, it's like I tell Cap, I go, there's a lot of, go ahead, you know, you're more than likely going to miss that shot. Oh, you made it? Okay, we'll get it back on the other end. We'll, sure. we'll shoot another three to get back. And and so, and I know, as I mentioned, as the rosters get tighter, there'll be more of an emphasis on being able to be stronger defensively. So that, that that's my whole thing. I, I was just impressed. Chris, about how they performed in the first half defensively. Because you watch how the Bucks were able to get to their spots. Usually, how they can get what he wants, right? Especially from three. Yeah. You see Middleton, before he went down. You know, again, it, he doesn't need a lot of space to be able to get his shot up. And I just thought that the Bulls made it a lot more difficult. I saw, what I thought is I saw two or three different looks defensively by the Bulls. Did you see the same? I think that that was one of the keys also to the game. Yeah,
1: and Patrick Williams doesn't have to be a Giannis stopper, but right. I think him being able to play uh, the 32 minutes that he played and only picking up four fouls I think is, is interesting. He doesn't have to be a stopper, but he also can't be glued to the bench. And, and just being out there every single possession – I think does have an effect on Giannis, and you're not going to stop him. But being able to have Patrick Williams there, to have Caruso chip in and, and to double and to help out, and also Vooch to to not really get in serious foul trouble until we got to the seven-minute mark in the fourth quarter, the collective effort I thought was excellent on defense. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, fourth quarter, seven minutes left, uh, Vooch picks up. His fifth foul. At that time, Billy Donovan goes to the bench, brings in Tristan Thompson. At that moment, I was thinking if I were in this situation, I'm going small because the the Bucks had their bigs out there. They had Lopez and Antetokounmpo out there. And I was wondering, you know, what if you just change it completely on them and you try and go small, you have Caruso body, Giannis, you don't worry about Lopez because you know that like Derek Jones could guard him. Or you could maybe do something else with Patrick Williams. Um, I'm surprised that they didn't go Derek Jones in that spot. What, what do you think of the way that played? Now, now after well, there, the fact, well, yeah. Well, Thompson Derek Jones, only played a minute 25, and then Booch yeah. came right back in, which is a dangerous situation because he was basically playing five and change to the to the end with five fouls.
0: Well, Derek Jones would have been more uh, a little more, more flexible, a little bit more athletic in that situation, right? More so than Tristan Thompson. Now yeah. you like the sharp elbows of Tristan Thompson getting Portis out of the game, uh, but I, I would have thought that Derek Jones Jr. You know he's if you put him on the floor in that situation, you know what he's there for. Um, you don't worry about his scoring; you just want him to be able to cover. And I think that Derek could, Derek Jones Jr. could have done that well with Tristan Thompson. Though there is that toughness, there is that ability to utilize, you know, his his forearms and his elbows to get up on on Bobby Portis. I just think that he didn't want the veteran big to just sit there and not have um, some meaningful time. I mean, he was out there for let's see seven minutes, and he had three rebounds. So, and I know he believes in Tristan. It's just that. And it's it's about guards. It's about your starters as much as possible. And, you know, I've been mentioning how these rotations get uh, get shorter. Tristan Thompson just, in some ways, doesn't fit. Right. I mean, yeah, you know, at, at least that's what I see. But Derek Jones Jr. probably would have been given a little bit more athleticism. And and Green got some time as well.
1: Yeah. Green, uh, Javante Green had uh, five twenty seven played in the fourth quarter. Outside of that, Thompson played the minute twenty five in for Booch. Yeah. Uh, other than the, the green five minutes there, you had your starters out there for the entire quarter. I think that's also a risky way to live. I don't mm-hmm. think in the NBA you can go uh, to the max uh, playing your starters in the fourth quarter, 12 minutes a night. I, I think that's tough. I, I think you need to find a way to, to shave off four minutes off of DeMar, another four minutes off of Zach, and you got to find a way to get uh, some kind of effort from your bench players. To allow your guys to close in the final eight minutes of the game, I, I think that's a that's a really tough. You know, like and, and maybe Bulls fans are unaware of like how other teams utilize um, rotations, but like, mm-hmm. do you remember when Golden State were they were playing in the finals uh, all those years in a row? Mm-hmm. Like Stephen Curry wouldn't enter back into the game in the fourth quarter till the six minute mark, right? And and you might say well, that's half the quarter, but yeah, the moment he entered the game, he was he was on a hundred, right? Like he was ready to go and then close out that contest. So I, I just think in today's current uh, landscape of the NBA, to ask your starters to play the entire fourth quarter, I think that's tough. I think that's really
0: tough. Well, Chris, if if they don't, they lose the game. No, no doubt. Yeah, and, and with those Steph Curry teams, at least you had. Well, you know, and especially when they were really rolling, you had Clay, you had Draymond, you had Andre Iguodala, guys guys that could hold it down. See, this is what you look at for next season in which you look at that bench and you have Kobe White who uh, scored 5 points and you don't have much else. Now you got a couple you have three guys that I could depend on defensively in short burst, Thompson, Derrick Jones Jr. and Green. D'Soumu is not going to get a lot of time. Uh, and, and there's where it comes down to, where DeSumo, for the regular season, did a nice job. But you know a veteran coach like Billy Donovan is just not utilizing a lot of young players. He's, sure. just, he's just not. Yeah. And, and I compare that to Milwaukee, where at least the Bucks have two guys— off that bench that can knock down shots. And that's yep. Conadon and Allen. They didn't shoot the ball well uh, the other night. But at least you have two guys there. Bobby Portis is a guy that is a glue guy, energy guy, coming off the bench for them. Uh, you can go at Carter as well as a, as a lead guard for them. Abaka didn't get time because he doesn't fit in today's playoffs. And so I, that's the difference. I, like, you're, it, it's about max effort. And playing your starters as much as possible just to survive against the champs. That because you look at look at how the ebb and flow of this game went, Chris. Philly really trusts seven players. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe. Six? So, I mean, look at it. Probably six. I mean well, tru- I,
1: let me ask you this. Does he yeah. even trust Kobe White? No. And Kobe White's your best
0: bench player. He won't be here next year.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's um, what's funny is as you watch uh, other games in the playoffs, it, it's why personality scouting matters, right? right? Like Kobe White is a very nice person, right? Uh, I don't know if he has that killer instinct in him and, and you can see it from young players from the jump. Uh, you have man with the Clippers. You have Maxi with the Sixers. You have pool with the Warriors. You have young Scotty Barnes with the Raptors, <laughs> young players when yeah. they get it. And I even think that, you know, for, for all the negative conversation around Patrick Williams, I don't think that he shies away from the moment. He he just seems like someone that at the moment there there's others who have to do what they do. And he's just playing in a reserved role within the starting group to kind of make it all work. But like Kobe White doesn't have that that killer in him. And and I, I think that's where you look at the personality and he causes a he has a, he had a bad turnover last night yes uh, early and he looked at the I don't recall who it was that that the pass was bad to but like he looked and he had like a smirk on his face like oh it's <laughs> <laughs> so like what, what do you mean like how is that the look on your face like you can be upset you could be like focused. But like the like smirking, half smile, childish like look. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't work in a playoff game. And and there's just something missing. He has the talent, but it, like that's why I started off by saying, like, scouting the personality matters.
0: Well, I, I want to make sure it's clear that, that for those that are listening. No one's saying on this podcast, I know Chris has not said it, and he knows damn well I've not said it. No one's saying that Kobe White should have been traded at the deadline. No. Uh, especially for some veteran backup big that wouldn't get meaningful playing time. Like Tristan Thompson, as a matter of fact. So we're not saying that. What we're saying is is that at the time of the deadline, if you could not make a significant upgrade uh, for for your three-point shooting uh, off the bench, then you might as well just keep Kobe White. And And Kobe had some terrific games. Yeah. This team's had... Injuries and COVID, and so when all this is happening, Kobe White and DeSumo stepped up nicely, either as a starter or coming off the bench and provided a spark. What we're saying is is that once the season's over, if you're Karnaschovas and Eversley, you got to look at this simply, and you look at other rosters that will have a deep playoff run and say okay, you know what, we like our five, or we like four of our five as far as our starters, but we have to find guys that can be able to be shooters, multiple shooters coming off our bench. And I think the sumo is the future, but you have to upgrade with Kobe White because Kobe at this point in time, because he's been so up and down, perfect, absolute chef's kiss, Sacramento King.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's what it feels. <laughs> that's and it you talk is. about scouting personalities, I uh, O is a perfect example of that. He has the personality; he just doesn't quite have the skill set. But I, I think most basketball people would bank on the skill set figuring itself out if the if the personality matches. You know, if the hunger, the fight, the killer is there. Like I O hasn't looked overmatched in the mi- he hasn't played a lot of minutes, but he looks like he belongs out there. Um, yeah. So it, it's been cool to see. All right. Friday night, Game 3 at the United Center. Oh. Sunday, Game 4. Uh, so the weekend set now has, I think, a little bit more uh, pizzazz behind it because both fans can show up and show out uh, this weekend for a double dip. And, and this is actually a series, which I didn't expect us to be talking about heading into this weekend.
0: Well, at the time of this taping, Chris and I don't know what's happening with Chris Middleton. All we know is that uh, Woj on ESPN st- uh, says that Middleton's MRI is going to take place as a time of the taping, and it's going to give a clear indication of the severity of the MCL sprain and the possible timeline on a return. Uh, so I will just have an educated guess, Chris, and tell you that Middleton will not play in game three. Now, I'm not trying to be a dream killer. I just know that whether it's A, B, or C, one, two, or three, as far as the the grade of yeah. uh, the sprain, like I don't expect him to play. And so because he's not going to play, we'll just do the podcast this way. So if Middleton's not playing, then who replaces that production? A guy that can give you a ton. He had 18 points before the injury in Game 2. And I know that the shine's always on Giannis, but the uh, Robin – to that Batman in Giannis is Chris Middleton 20 points a game you know gives you five rebounds five or six assists and really uh, kind of in as far as the starters a glue guy for this Bucks team not saying that the Bucks will lose without him but it's going to be more difficult is it not my answer to your
1: question would be can Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton give you 10 each I don't think either one has to pick up the, the 20 points of uh, Chris Middleton. But could you get 10 from each to replace? I don't know. I feel like you, you could certainly count on one of them stepping up. Probably well, Connaughton. Probably
0: more than yeah. Allen. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, and, you know, Grayson's going to be in for it. You know, Bulls fans are not going to forget what took place this year, right, with Caruso. Uh, so, you know, there's going to be a, a little uh, cheap shot at some point. The Bulls fans are going to go off the handle. Uh, there's probably going to be some technicals thrown. Um, not something I would have expected if this was 2 Bucks, But now that it's 1-1, I-, I think there's going to be a little chestiness uh, from the Bulls. Uh, you know, and-, and this is how you get your revenge, right? And, and if you're a Bucks fan, you're right, Jonathan. It- it's tough. You're going to have to have Drew Holiday step up. Uh, Giannis is going to have to take it to a new level. It's uh, something we've seen him do in the past uh, in the NBA Finals last year, so he's certainly capable of doing it. Uh, but it certainly levels the playing field a little bit more, where this was heavily tilted towards the Bucks without Middleton. That, that's a major loss, and an MCL sprain, Jonathan. You say you say you can probably safely assume he's not going to play in Game Three. Mm-hmm. I would imagine Sunday is out too. You know, an MCL sprain, I, I would imagine the, the earliest you're going to see Chris Middleton is probably game five. Maybe. Right? Like, that's yeah, Wednesday. Yeah. You know, so you got a full week to, to kind of let it heal. But I would be surprised if we see Middleton this weekend. Um,
0: but and you so, never know. And so because of that, and the Bulls playing at the United Center, now it's more than just a gentleman's sweep. Because, once go. again, the formula is, yeah, you're not going to stop Giannis. So just put that to the side. He's yeah. just a, a, a great player, and he breaks through any kind of defense you put out there. He'll break through the guardrails to get to the basket. So then there's Lopez also. And, and I, I still consider him a factor only because of the lack of resistance around the rim where Lopez can get easy oh, baskets. They can't stop him at all. All right. All this right, mean, it, is not big enough. Like, that should be Patrick Williams coming over to help. But, I mean, he gets all of, like, even just a sloppy buckets. Like, loose ball, just flings it up there and scores because of his height. So And I saw that several times already in the series. Now what happens? Now, I mean, without Middleton, uh, Conadon can be able to knock down threes. How many threes? And so that, I mean, that's the factor to me. I mean, Holidays uh, is going to have to take another step up. And so, what are the Bulls going to do about it? A healthy enough Bulls team uh, gets Middleton out. I expect Portis with the eye issue to play yeah. in Chicago. If not game three, then game four, I think he'll be fine. But wh- how, the, how do the Bucks replace that scoring? And what does that mean now for the series if the Bulls say if they win on Friday? Mm-hmm. Right? Right?
1: Well, uh, Travis Wacker has been telling me uh, up in up until the, the series that the game for early start in Chicago is going to be a problem for the Bucks because apparently Giannis doesn't like early games. Uh, so he's been saying before the series started, ah, the Bulls will get that Sunday game. So last night after the game, you know, there's texts going back and forth, but I didn't say anything when the Bulls were up big mm-hmm. game ends. And I responded. I go, you know what, Travis? I think you're right. I think the Bulls do get that game on Sunday. And after they get Friday, the Bucks will be going home Wednesday night down 3 <laughs> 1.
0: Silence. He did not respond. <laughs> he, he put the phone up then, huh? Yeah. And he put the phone so. up and, and showed you another picture of a pizza pie. That's what he did. That's what he decided to do.
1: Uh, it's just outstanding.
0: All right, a few news and notes here. Uh, about what happened on Wednesday. Oh, Brooklyn. Oh. So here's Boston up two games to none on, Boston, on, on Brooklyn. How about them Celtics, man? You talk about a, just a, a, a 180 turn for a basketball team from the second half to where they are right now. We, I, I asked you the question, can, who else steps up between uh, besides Durant and Irving? And I said that Bruce Brown would be the third guy. That's still not enough, man.
1: No, still not enough. No, it's not. And I, I would, I, my one thought on on this series is, I agree. Boston's a better team. Oh, um, is Durant's play because of how good Boston is, or is it naive to expect Durant to to play as poorly as he has the rest of the series? He's an all time great. I would imagine at some point he's gonna he's gonna correct the way he's kind of shot the ball in the last two games.
0: So Simmons is just not gonna play, huh? Ben Simmons not gonna play? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, I'm not telling you that's the difference between the Nets winning the series and not, but all hands on deck in the in the postseason. Sure, especially when you're down two oh. Uh did you see that uh
1: Brian Windhorse is reporting that Devin Booker is gonna be out two to three weeks? Oof I believe that's what um, as we were recording this that that, that just came out two to three weeks from Brian Winhorse with a right hamstring strain
0: could well, miss that, two to three weeks. That will not affect the series against the Pelicans. No, it shouldn't. It will not. Um, but I. But th- now moving forward, as far as them trying to win the championship, mm-hmm. I, I I made the declaration in our last fast break. If they don't get it done, this is it for Phoenix. This is it. Aiton leaves. CP3 is kind of uh, done.
1: This is his run. This is it. I will say in the next round, though, they would face off against Utah or Dallas. And I think they're still okay in that situation, right? Isn't that Uh, how the the bracket
0: would play out? uh, Yeah, but a healthy Luka at that point. At that point. Luka, if they survive the series, too, that's the other thing, Chris. Like, I don't... I don't know if Dallas is going to win the series against Utah. I don't. I yeah, don't know
1: I, that. Yeah, no, right. And and if Luca is healthy, then I, I feel like that they're the better team. But you know, that was a pretty incredible performance in Game Two from Jalen Brunson. You can't expect that every every night without Luca.
0: My man's going to get paid, Jalen Brunson. He's getting paid. Uh so yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, I saw the same thing you saw about uh, Devin Booker. So yeah, so that's that's difficult that's hard yeah. on the suns but if they this will not be a problem against the pelicans though even though Brandon ingram looked really good that i'm happy for him because uh those guys and i watched that game uh all the way through chris i watched that all the way to the end even though i work mornings um <laughs> i just like that's never going to leave me i'm still going to be watching yeah. late night uh, yeah, basketball it's great, it's great. Um, this is the best time of year so i i enjoy watching ingram roll uh he did a good job against the suns um, follow, follow this
1: away for a different, um, uh, maybe use it on a uh, cap and J hood tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, which team is closer to uh, a championship? The Pelicans or the bulls?
0: <laughs> Tell of <him> a question.
1: <laughs> I mean, Ingram is wow. like, you, you'd say, okay, DeRozan's the best player, but Ingram's better than Levine. And so is CJ McCollum, I think. Uh, and then wow. the, you know, what if Zion never gets healthy and they have like a gajillion first round picks in the
0: future. Wow, that's a hell of a question there. Uh, I, whew. well, can I get through the Buck series? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't <laughs> want to tell you. This is a
1: question you... I came up with before last yeah. night.
0: I don't want to tell you like the Pelicans and the yeah. Bulls pull off some like miracle, right? I don't want to do that because then I'll be <sighs> you know tortured forever. Uh, and uh, shout out to Philly. As and, again, Toronto was a nice story, but that's that's the end. Yeah. The, and once again, sir, the MVP stepped up. Yeah, my MVP. I'm Skip Bayless now. My MVP, uh, Joel Embiid, 33 my points MVP. at 13- <laughs> 30. And then you'll points.
1: go on the talk for 17 straight minutes before. <laughs>
0: Before Shan Sharp's allowed to speak. Why doesn't FS1 have any commercials? I mean, they're like, they're, they're like we were in college, man, yeah. where it's like you saw the log in college, and it was just yeah. like, you know, like... Uh, oh, two
1: minutes for the hour, huh?
0: All right. Yeah, two minutes for the hour, and one of them was just a PSA. Yeah, just a PSA. <laughs> that, that, that's what FS1 is, like 18 minutes on the same subject. Oh, man. My MVP, my guy, it, it's my turn to talk. It's my turn. Uh, Joel Embiid uh, with 33 points and 13 rebounds. So they're taking care of Toronto, uh, and, but you mentioned Maxie earlier. See, it's even more than Harden. Now you've got three guys that yeah. can hurt you. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that stops him now is Doc. I 100%. Uh, <laughs> I mean, listen, when
1: you have Joel Embiid and he's hitting game winners like he did last night, like, yeah, that can make up for a lot of bad coaching. But I feel as if the shine off of uh, – Doc's coaching has really started to 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 dull.
0: You think Nick Friel regrets taking the Brooklyn job and not staying with Golden State? Yep. And I talk to him every uh, every night after. Yeah, every night. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cuz I say to him, how how different
1: would your day be knowing that you're going to cover the champs?
0: You you Ooh, know that he's... No, no, yeah. Yeah, here, here, this is Kyrie and you know what?
1: Uh, the, mean, the unnamed MMA podcast is here to record, so we have to go. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, this, this is a, the, how the studio time in the afternoon works here at ESPN right. 1000. All
0: right, well, <laughs> I had a, had a thought about the new death lineup of the Warriors. I just,
1: you know believe me, I could do a, a, an hour sub-stack podcast on, on that, too. I, uh, I was thrilled. Well, then, I'm done talking. Uh, you can that? listen to Jonathan Hood weekday mornings, okay. 7 to 10 with Cap. Cap and J. Hood, our new morning show at ESPN 1000. Check it out each day right here on ESPN 1000.
0: Jordan and Adam, I don't want them to get upset, so I'll just stop talking. That's what I'll do. We <laughs> will just stop the old basketball, the old fast break. That's what we'll do. You can
1: hear me, weeknights, 6 yeah. to 8, with Adam Abdallah. Guess we'll just stop part now. of the unnamed MMA podcast yeah. coming up next on your podcast cycle at yeah. ESPN 1000. Yeah. Yeah. Black and, Black and uh, Abdallah, weeknights, yeah. 6 to 8.
0: I'll just stop talking.
1: Because, uh, All right, until the next Fast Break Minnesota, podcast, uh, we'll, we'll uh, figure out a time next week throughout the week because uh, Saturday there will be White Sox baseball, no Fast Break this week, but we'll come back to you uh, next week in podcast form. For Jonathan Hood, I'm Chris Black. This has been Fast Break on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app.
0: Memphis, Minnesota thoughts, and, well, we're going to talk about old cage fighting. That's what we'll do, some cage fighting. That's right. We'll just stop talking. <sighs> All right. Very happy.